If I've not met you before, my name's Ian. I'm the small groups pastor here at Vineyard, and it is a, it's a treat to be with you guys this morning. And I'm really excited, as Alice said, that I'm going to be sharing about small groups today. So, so excited, in fact, that I decided to bring back the I Love Small Groups t-shirt. It's back. It was made famous by our old small groups pastor, Nathan Gilbert. We sent him off to Falmouth. I've brought the t-shirt back today for this talk. And you know, the funny thing, I was thinking about this t-shirt this week, the funny thing about this t-shirt is when you think about what it must seem like to someone who sees it outside of our church context. (laughs) If I'm walking around the supermarket, if I'm at the gym wearing this t-shirt, or if I'm picking up my son from nursery, and someone sees this t-shirt, they're thinking, man, that guy's weird. (laughs) He just really loves small groups of people. And that's a weird thing to tell the world, right? I just love small groups of people. I hate big crowds. This is intimidating me today. But we know that that's not what this t-shirt is about, right? We know that there's way more to small groups than just being in a small group. And as I love to remind our small group leaders often, big things happen in small groups. And that's what I want to talk about today, because as Alice said, today is Small Group Sunday, where I get to unashamedly big up and champion our small groups to all of you guys. And right here, right now, I'm declaring this month, sign up September. It's sign up September, because our heart and our goal is that everybody in this church, across all our sites, would find a community to be part of, a community where you can do life together, a community where you can be known and where you can grow in your faith. So this month is Sign Up September, and this morning is Small Group Sunday. And the first question we should probably address is, well, why are small groups so important? Why is it so essential that I join a small group? Well, let me tell you. As humans, we were made for relationship. We were made for community. We see it right at the beginning of the Bible. God says, it is not good for man to be alone. We've been designed by a relational God to be relational people. And these days, we have loads of different ways that we can connect with each other. You know, we have social media, we have Zoom, we can phone, we can text, um, we can send letters if we're old school. And that's, uh, but the problem is, more people than ever feel lonely and disconnected. And that's because connectivity is not the same as community. And connection is the starting point that paves the way for community, but it shouldn't be confused with community itself. The American pastor, um, John Mark Comer, who we, we quote here all the time, he says, it's easier than ever before to be connected to everybody, but in community with nobody. It's easier than ever before to be connected with everybody, but in community with nobody. And there's truth in that statement. But our small groups are all about community. And they're also all about discipleship. For the last few years, we've talked a lot about learning to live like Jesus. And we believe that this process of discipleship happens best when we learn to live like Jesus in community, surrounded by other people who want to learn to live like Jesus as well. And in small groups, we learn and we grow together. So hopefully that begins to answer the question of, well, why are small groups so important? Perhaps the next question ought to be, well, what should our small groups look like? Or or what do we hope our small groups will be like? And does the Bible have anything to say about this? Well, Acts 2, 42 to 47 gives us one of the fullest descriptions of what New Testament Christian community look like. And it serves as a great example for us. So if you have a Bible with you, if you'd like to turn to Acts 2, if you don't have a Bible with you, no worries, it should appear on the screen behind me. Let's hope, let's hope that's true. So this is what I'll just let you guys get there. Just to say, this passage in Acts 2, it doesn't say 
you must do exactly this. This is a passage that's telling us what a community was doing about 2,000 years ago. And this was a Christian community that loved Jesus. And it stands in the canon of scripture for all time as an example to us. So we want to be inspired and encouraged by this today. So this is what it says, starting in verse 42. It says, they, referring to the believers and the new believers who were starting to follow Jesus, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That is a great passage, isn't it? And that is a jam-packed six verses. There's so much in here, and I just want to pick out and highlight some of the key things that we're being told. See, what we see in this passage is a community that was rooted in the scriptures and hungry for the apostles' teaching. They were learning together and growing together in their understanding of what it meant to live as followers of Jesus. And it's clear that they kept Jesus at the center of everything they did. Their meetings were full of prayer and worship. And we're also told that they broke bread together. They placed a high value on eating together, but also specifically on taking communion together, the Lord's Supper, something that we do in this church as well. By breaking bread and sharing the Lord's Supper when they met together, the believers had this way of constantly remembering what Jesus had done for them through his death. Breaking bread was this way of keeping Jesus at the center of who they were and what they were doing. And this community uh, was also one that expected God to show up whenever they met together. Through miracles, signs, and wonders, Jesus had come proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom of God. He preached the good news of the kingdom, and then he demonstrated it with signs and wonders and miracles. Uh, But in Acts, Jesus was gone. He'd ascended to heaven, but his disciples continued to do the things that he'd done and taught them to do as well. There were miracles, there were healings, there were prophetic words, and all of this came through the power of the Holy Spirit. And everyone that saw this was filled with awe, it says in the passage. Imagine the expectation that these people had when they met together that the power of God was going to do something miraculous in their midst. Well, we have that same Holy Spirit power with us today. So when we meet together, whether it's in a large setting like this or in our small groups during the week, we can come expectant that God is going to do remarkable things with us as well, right? And another hallmark of the Acts 2 community was their outrageous generosity, their unreserved willingness to serve and bless and help anyone who had need. This was a close-knit community. They shared what they had. They looked out for one another, especially those who were struggling. I remember hearing this great story from one of our small groups a few years back, and they were actually studying this passage throughout the term. And when they got to this verse about um, generosity and sharing with those who are in need, they were like, let's try and put this into practice somehow. So they went around the group one evening, and they asked everyone to write down any physical or practical need that they had. And not everyone submitted something, but they had things like somebody uh, needed money to pay for some flights home to visit their family. There was another person who was hunting for a job 
and they didn't have a clue how to write a CV, so they needed some help with that. Somebody else had recently actually been offered a job, but they had no way of getting there. They were like, I've got this great job. I don't know how I'm going to get there. And I'm sure there were other uh, requests and needs in the group, but these were some of them. And so after small group, the leaders sent out this list. They'd written them down on paper, collected them all in, and they sent the list out to everyone in their group. And they said, spend this week praying over this list. If there's anything that you feel like you can contribute to, we'd love you to bring it along next week. And there was no pressure. There was no expectation that everyone in the group would have something to bring. They just said, if you have something and you want to give it, then bring it along. And the response was amazing. Every single need in the group was met over the following weeks. They raised enough money for the flights home. Somebody helped that person write their CV. Another person donated, I think, a bike to the person who needed transport to get to their new job. It was amazing. And I'm sure there were more needs that were met. Now, I'm not saying that every single group in the church should do it exactly that way, but what a great example of how to practice generosity and meeting each other's needs. And I think small groups offer this an incredible environment for us to practice and learn how to love one another, how to serve one another, how to practice generosity, helping to meet the needs of the people God has brought around us. And over the years, I've heard some incredible stories from our small groups who've, who've found creative ways to go outside of their community, to, uh, their small group community, to serve their local community. Um, and I'd love to encourage you to think about, if you're in a small group this term, how can you bless your local community as a, as a group? When we, when we go and do things missionally, that does something in us that stirs our faith really powerfully. We also see from this passage that this was a community that maintained a rhythm of meeting in large gatherings and small groups. In verse 46, it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. But then it also says, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You know, in our context today, we've tried to keep a similar rhythm. We like to keep it simple here. We go, we have Sundays and we have small groups. There's loads of things you can do. I definitely recommend go to the women's breakfast if you're a woman. Go and join in with some of the things that we're doing. But the two main things we would encourage you, be, be here on a Sunday and join a small group. Those are the two things we would say. Because we gather together for Sunday services to worship God, to be taught, to be encouraged, to be inspired and to pray together. You know, when we meet together on a Sunday, we're reminded that it's not about us, it's all about him. If I had to sum up what this meeting is all about, that's what it is. Reminding us that it's not about us, it's all about him. And then alongside this, we encourage everyone to, in this church to join a small group. A community where you can be known and where you can know other people. And I especially love in this passage that we're told that they like to eat together often. That's a really key thing. And this stands out to me because I just love food. I love cooking, I love feasting, I love eating with people because nothing brings people together so simply yet effectively as eating a meal or a feast around the table. I remember a few, a few, I remember about 10 or 11 years ago when, <laughs> it seems like a few years ago, back when I was a student here in Cardiff and I was about to start leading my first small group and I called up a couple who'd led a small group that I'd been a part of, an amazing small group, and I asked them, what is your best piece of advice as I go and start this new group? What do I need to know? And I was expecting them to give, pass on this like wisdom that was like, this is how you lead a great Bible study, or this is how to have amazing worship in your small group. And they said this, their piece of advice was eat together often. It was that simple, eat together often. They said nothing will build community like eating together regularly. 
And it's so true. I've seen it over the years. Everyone has something in common when you sit around the table sharing a meal. Doesn't matter where you're from, what your background is, what your stage of life is. When you sit and eat a meal together, it brings you together. It breaks down all the barriers. It allows for conversation and connection. It allows for community to grow. So often when we started that new group, uh, we tried often in the evenings just to cook up a load of jack of potatoes, make a big vat of a big pot of chili and just invite people to come and eat with us. Or we, if we didn't have time to cook it all ourselves, we'd be like, just bring whatever you've got. What have you got in your cupboards? What have you got in your fridge? Bring it. We'll share it. It doesn't matter if it's a bit of a random meal. I've eaten some random bring and share meals before, like roast dinner with falafel and like someone brought some rice and you're just like, that is a random meal. But hey, we're here. We're doing community. It tastes good. I cannot recommend eating together with your small group enough. So maybe, it doesn't have to be every week. If you can do it every week, amazing. If it can't be every week, then just think, how can I eat together with my small group a couple of times this term? What would that look like? It doesn't have to be on the night you meet either. What would it look like to add a weekend or an evening to do that if you've got time? Finally, in this passage, we're told, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This was a community that was growing. People were coming to faith and joining the community daily. Because this community was attractive. It was irresistible. Despite whatever was going on in Acts, the persecution and all that had happened with Jesus, this was a community that when people saw it, they saw what was going on and they wanted to be a part of it. Now, do you see your small group as an exclusive closed-off group? Or is there always room for growth, always room for those yet to come? Now, I think the reality is that to be effective, small groups um, do have to remain relatively small. There's been some groups over the years, they've got to like 30 or 40 people. I'm like, that's not really a small group anymore. But, But that doesn't, just because our small groups probably, the reason they have to stay small is because it's easier to be known in a small group. When you see the same people week in, week out, you can chat to them, you can share your life. That's how you build community with people. But I've got nothing against small groups growing. I don't want them to remain exclusive. They need to be groups that we can invite people and welcome people into. That's the model we have here in Acts 2. And it just means that there will probably there will probably come a time where your small group reaches the size that it's grown to the point where you need to raise up and release some new leaders to go and start new groups to make space for those yet to come again. And that's the sign, I think, of a really healthy small group. A group that's meeting regularly, growing, raising up leaders, and releasing them to start new groups, and then repeat, do it all again. That is the sign of really healthy small groups in this church. Now, here at Vineyard, we want every single person that calls this church home to find a small group community to belong to. There's a well-known pastor in the States called Rick Warren, and he says, don't just make believers, make belongers. I love that quote. And well, small groups, they're the best place where this happens. They're the place where this happens best, where people feel like they belong. So that is a fairly swift look through Acts 2. We've gone through, I could have done that over six weeks. We've just done it in about, I don't know, 16 minutes. No, not even that, 10 minutes. Moving on. What we see is a community that was doing life together. And I've highlighted some of the key features, some of the key things that we want to see in our small groups as well, what we'd hope and expect to see. Communities studying the Bible and learning from one another. Environments we step into where there's an expectation that God is going to move. Places where we're cared for, looked out for, and help meet each other's needs. And Jesus should be at the center of our small groups. They should be enjoyable, attractive, irresistible groups to be a part of. I don't know how you feel about inviting people who 
don't come to church to your small groups. I've had this over the years, like I'm going off piece now, but like I've had this over the years thinking like, is my small group an environment I can invite people into? Because I came to faith when I was 18 and I started going along to a small group and it was different, it was weird, but I found something that I was looking for. And I would say, what is the barrier between us inviting people into our small groups? If they're attractive, if they're irresistible, if I'm like, I love my small group, then what's stopping me from inviting people into that group as well? I'm just going to leave you with that. Because it wasn't in my notes. Um, On Ask, have you experienced this kind of community before that I've described? Are you in this kind of community? Is this the kind of community that you want to be a part of? And the next question is, well, how do we get this kind of community? How do we, how do we find community like this that we're seeing in Acts 2? And it, this brings me to the crux of my message today. Because I believe that in order for us to see this kind of community, to be part of this kind of community, that we have to commit to community. The passage we've just looked at begins with three important words. They devoted themselves. It starts with devotion, with commitment. You have to be committed to make community work. You can't just sign up for small group at the beginning of sign up September, if I hadn't mentioned it. You can't, just, you can't just sign up in September and not go all term and then get to, the, get to December and be like, oh, small group, I just didn't get the benefits of it. It doesn't work like that. You can't even just go once or twice a term and expect to get the fullness and the depth of community that you were looking for at the start of term. You have to go. You have to be committed. When I look back at the times that I've grown the most in my faith, when I've been the most rooted, the most connected, it's the times when I've made small group a priority in my life. And I know that the same has been true for so many people that I've spoken to over the years, because the simple truth is that to be committed to anything, you have to make it a priority. This passage in Acts 2 is basically a summary. It's a blueprint of Christian living. For the early church, these were the core principles, the foundational components, the non-negotiables. Fellowship was essential. So for us too, it needs to be essential as well. And if we, want to, if we want this to be true in our own lives, we have to make it the starting point. We can't work it backwards. We can't fill our lives with all the things we want to do and then at the end go, well, with the time I've got left, I'm going to put community in. Because the reality is you're probably not going to have much time left at the end. We have to make it a priority. We have to start with community. And I'm I said this, I think, with North and West last week. I recognize that we have busy lives, that many of us have got jobs, we might have families, we might have things that we do that take up a lot of time in our week, but I guarantee there's hours left over after all that to fill. What's the first thing you put in your calendar? I'd like to suggest this morning, put community in there. Make it a priority, build your lives around that. And so the question I'm bringing to each of you today is, will you commit community this term? Will you make a commitment to community this term? Will you make it a priority in your life? We all know that there can be things that get in the way of us being committed to community, right? We've all had times we've been too busy. We've all had those nights where you've been at home, small groups on, you've had a busy day at work, and you get home, you're like, I'm so tired, and I haven't even had... I haven't even had anything to eat yet. I just want to stay at home. I don't know, put my pajamas on, watch something on Netflix, just relax. And it's so tempting to do that, isn't it? I'm not the only one that's been like that, right? That's most people in this room. If you haven't, I don't know, I don't know how to relate to you. <laughs> but have you also had those nights where you just didn't feel like going and then at the last minute you drag yourself along to small group and at the end of the night you're just like, I'm so glad I went. I'm so glad that I turned up. More often than not, when we choose to go, I guarantee that's how we come away feeling. 
Because from my experience, being committed, choosing to lean in, nearly always pays off. It rarely, rarely do you come away and go, that wasn't worth it. Why did I do that? And as I said, there will always be things that get in the way of us staying committed to community, but choosing to commit, choosing to lean in, choosing to stay connected and go along each week or as often as I can, can be so profoundly transformative in my life and in the lives of others. And I just want to share a story from someone that I was speaking to from within this community uh, recently. She was sharing her experience of joining a small group over the last year, and this is what she said in her own words. She said, My husband and I arrived in Cardiff in August last year. We'd arrived unsure but excited for what God had in store for us in this new city. However, we were broken, hurting, and lonely, having come from a difficult church experience. Also, having married in the middle of the pandemic, community was hard to come by. We were desperate for real friends that we could walk with and run with in our faith. So when we heard about small groups, we knew that this was God's provision for us. So we jumped at the chance to join a group. We had no idea what to expect, especially coming from uh, a church with past hurts, past experiences, and struggling to find peers. But within a few weeks of arriving in a new city, not knowing anyone, we suddenly had a community that not only knew our names, but embraced us and our story. They loved us, and we loved them. She says, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but genuinely, I, and I do not say this lightly, this group of people turned Cardiff from a city we just lived in into a home. This past year has not been easy by any means, she says, going on. I started university as a mature student. My husband started a new career, but it has been a year of faith for both of us. But our small group has been our lifeline. They've, they've prayed with us, they've encouraged us, cried with us and laughed with us. It's been a year of healing and revelation for both of us, almost entirely because of the friendships and community that we've made through our small group. From our weekly Thursday night catch-ups, Bible readings and prayer, to spontaneous fun socials, this group of incredibly exceptional people have shown us so much of the kindness and love of God, and our heart is so full because of it. I cannot express how important, formative, and life-giving having a community like Small Group has been, not only in our faith journey, but also in our general well-being as well. And then she says, finally, having been so blessed by our small group this year, we felt the encouragement of our leaders and the prompting of the Holy Spirit to lead our own group this term. We are so excited to see what God wants to do in and through this new community, and we'd love people to join us. That's a great group to go along to. I love this story. It just captures everything that I wanted to say to you guys today. I probably could have done away with my talk and just read you that story and you'd go away inspired and encouraged, right? Some of you are wishing I had done that. <laughs> anyway, so my invitation to you all this morning, will you commit to community? And think about what committing to community might look like. We've got one in the front. She's committing to community. But I want to ask you, what will committing look like for you this term? Because I think it might look different for different people at different stages. Some of you might be here for the first time this morning. Or you've been in this church for a while, but you've never been in a small group. Maybe the first step for you is to head on over to that desk or speak to on the welcome team and find a small group to join this morning. That's the first step. You might have 
been signed up to a group last term, but you just know you didn't make it along very often. You know, when I spoke about getting the full benefits, the full like enjoyment of being in a community, you just know you didn't get that experience last term because you weren't able to go. Maybe this term, it's time to commit and go, I'm going to try and make it to at least 50%. I'd, I'd aim higher. I'd be like, try and make it to 80 or 90%, but whatever you can make it to, get there more often. I also believe there's some of you in the room here who, like the couple in this story, you've been in a small group community. It might have been for a term, it might have been for longer. And you're like, I love my small group community. I absolutely love it. But deep down in your soul, you just feel like the Lord is saying, it's time to go and start a new group. It's time to replicate what you've had in this community. If that's you, it's definitely not too late to start thinking about launching a new group this time. You can come speak to me, you can speak to Matt and Alice, you can speak to your current small group leaders. We would love to journey with you and talk to you about that. It might be that you want to start a new group, but you're like, this term just doesn't work. I'd love to encourage you, go back to the community that you're in, speak to your small leaders and say, how can we serve you? How can we support you? How can we take some responsibility? Because I think the best way we learn to be small group leaders is in the small group we're currently in. That's the best place to learn and grow. So yeah, if that's, if that's you, um, I would love to encourage you, whatever stage you're at, what does it look like to commit to community this term? As I said at the beginning and throughout the talk, is sign up September. We're excited, right? Some of you are on your phones already. Which group am I going to join? Love that. We are relaunching all our groups this month. And I'm so excited and encouraged to say that we've got so many new groups starting this time, especially for you guys here at Central. We've got a load of new groups. I don't think I've ever known a start the term with this many new groups. If you're looking for a group to join, this is a great time to be looking. And if you are looking to join a group, as Alice said, you can head over to the welcome desk. There's a small groups desk set up today. Uh, speak to a member of our team. Like, Ask them what groups are on. The, hopefully they might know some groups, or at least they'll be able to show you where to look. Um, we've got a whole bunch of the flyers for the central groups. If you're looking further afield, go to our website. It's got all the groups as well. You can also go on our website. Like we said, it shows you all the groups, where and when they meet, what they'll be getting up to, and that's where you can sign up. And here's my... Here's my little tip for you. You don't, have to go, you don't have to stick with the group you sign up to. If you sign up and you go along and you're like, this just doesn't fit. Like, a, you know when you go to the shop and you want to buy a pair of new shoes and they look so good and you try them on and you're like, ooh, that doesn't fit. If that's how small group feels when you go this week, it's okay to say to the leaders, I'm really sorry, like, I might not come back. <laughs> maybe, maybe just explain to them. But if it doesn't fit, if it doesn't feel right, it's no offense to the small group leaders. I've been there. People have turned up to my small group. They've not come back. I don't know what it was. Probably the people I was leading with. But <laughs> it's the t-shirt, yeah. He wears it every week. Um, but try a group. I wouldn't, don't go all term trying every single group. A different group every week, you will not build community that way. You'll know a lot of people in the church. You won't have deep community. Find a group that seems like it fits and commit to it this term. Because I guarantee by the end of it, you'll know some people in this church. And you'll be plugged in and you'll, you'll be in a community that knows you. If I haven't said it enough this morning, we love small groups in this church. We think they are so important. We think they are so essential. So as I come to the end of my talk, my encouragement to you, wherever you are at with this, commit to community. Take your mess, your stress, your questions, your beliefs, your answers, your ideas, your strengths and your weaknesses and bring it all together into small group, into community with other people. Because I promise you, as you do this, as you commit to it and as others do the same, you will grow and so will they in community where you are known. So will you commit to community this term?
I'll leave that question with you guys. If you're able to, why don't you stand?